Nutcracker Ballet is a holiday classic that features different styles of dance and a magical story. But what happens if you take the dancers off of the stage and thrust them into daily life? Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. This week, we're talking with photographer Jordan Matter about his books, Dancers Among Us and Dancers After Dark. Both books present professional dancers as we've never seen them before, the latter posing them in an array of locations around the world, at night and in the nude. Jordan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So you dreamed of being a professional baseball player. I did. As well as becoming an actor. I did. So when did photography come into the picture for you? Photography came in in the midst of my acting career. And uh, I, I think I was always ba- uh, like kind of hooked on adrenaline-based careers. So baseball was the first 22 years of my life. And that, that is, that's a hard addiction to let go of once you feel the roar of the crowd. I got into acting probably for a similar reason, the roar of the crowd. And I was doing that moderately successfully for a while. And then one day I took a bike ride with my wife up to the top of Cadillac Mountain in Maine. I don't know if you know it, Acadia National Park. No. And I got to the top of the mountain. It's quite an achievement to get there. And then when I looked out over the horizon, I wanted to take a photograph. But I realized immediately I didn't know how to take that photograph. So on the way down the mountain, I decided to take a photography course just to learn how to take that landscape photo. And I took a black and white printing course at School of Visual Arts. And as soon as I saw my first print come up in the developer, it was like a hallelujah moment. And I realized, oh, man, this is something special. So what initially were you drawn to when it came to photography? What did you want to take pictures of? I wanted to tell the stories of people. And I was really drawn to a photographer named Henri Cartier-Bresson. He was a French street photographer of great renown. And I used to look at his photos and I just thought, man, I mean, that, that's, that's a, those are stories there. Those are real stories. And so when I started, I, you know, I carried my little camera around. And I tried to tell uh, off-the-cuff street stories. And I realized that wasn't really my skill set. I was, I was better or more interested in setting shots up than like capturing spontaneous moments. What inspired you to work with dancers? Because Dancers After Dark, that's not the first time you worked with dancers. Not at all. I had a book called Dancers Among Us uh, four years ago, and that's when I began shooting dancers. And what happened there was I, I was really more drawn to this concept rather than to dance photography. And the concept was I was watching my son play with his toy bus, and he was about three at the time. And he had this level of enthusiasm for his fantasy world that I realized as we get older, we lose that. And I suddenly thought, if I could use dancers to show the beauty in everyday life, then I can encourage people to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. And I spent the summer discovering what Dancers Among Us is, which for people who don't know, is basically stories of everyday life, but they're exaggerated because they're seen through dance. You're taking dancers out of the studio and you're putting them in commonplace locations. Exactly. And then Times Square. Right. And then having them tell the story of life in that spot. So we would, you know, I I had seen dance photography and I always thought it was either beautiful photos in a studio or beautiful photos in a, a street setting, but never had I seen dancers telling stories. And of course, that's what they're trained to do. Many photographers came up to me after and said, man, I wish I had thought of that idea because it's so obvious. But we would get to a spot and everything is spontaneous that I do. I never have a plan, but we would find a spot. I think there's a story here. What is the story and what sort of dance move will help us best tell that story? And then we would go about constructing that idea. And you started in New York City and then went beyond. You went all over the place. I did. And for Dancers Among Us, what happened was I had 
a body of work that uh, had a, a literary agent, and he would show the photographs around to all these publishers who would love the photos, but they all said, well, this book will never sell. It turned out to be a New York Times bestseller, but the Times said, they'll never sell because it's dancers in New York. So when I got my final meeting with Workman Publishing, and they said the same thing, we love these photos, but we just don't see dance in New York City selling to a wide audience. I, and I lied to them. I said, that's fine. I'm going to go around the country shooting it this summer, which was... A total lie. And when they said, that sounds interesting, then I actually had to go around the country. And once I got it out of New York City and started seeing it in rural areas and on beaches and all over the place, then it really took its shape. What, if any, challenges are there in photographing dancers in this way? Well, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, first of all, dancers are perfectionists. So if you're just talking about the technique of it, you're talking about uh, making sure it's perfect. But once again, we're not in a studio setting. Uh, we're doing it off the cuff. There's shots where people are crossing a street and there's lots of passersby. Uh, any number of things where the construction of the image and the composition is essential to me and then their technique is essential to them and we'd have to find that me middle ground. So there's a lot of repetition. And that's where my athletics comes back because repetition training is something that I understand well and they understand well so we together will just go and go and go until exhaustion or until we finally get the shot. Are any dancers harder to photograph than others say a ballet dancer versus a tap dancer? Exactly great question. Tap is really hard um, because that's about the movement the the dance that's the easiest to photograph tends to be the dance that freezes in midair beautifully. Ballet is a great um you know, example of that. Alvin Ailey kind of, you know, contemporary dance is amazing. How did you identify the dancers in which to work with in that first project and then in this latest project? In the first project, I nobody knew who I was. And this was really, it was before Instagram. Right now, every all dancers are being photographed because it's kind of a currency, you know, like social media popularity. So they need photos to keep up their popularity, as do the photographers. But when I was doing it, that wasn't the case. So to get dancers to be photographed, there was no reason for them to do that unless they loved the idea. And no dancers knew me, so I had to kind of really reach out. I had a, you know several photos from Taylor, and then I would reach out with those. I'd post them. At this point now, um, most of the dancers know who I am, and they know my work, so a lot of them reach out to me. If I go out of town, what's unbelievable to me is I'll just post. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in Miami. be in Paris. And then... Dancers just start sending me their photos, and then I'm selecting based on the photos which dancers to work with. So in Dancers Among Us, the dancers are clothed, and you mostly shot them in the daytime. But in Dancers After Dark, you're shooting them at night, and you're shooting them sans clothing. Completely. Why did you make that decision? <laughs> Why are they naked? Yes. <laughs> well, obviously, the commercial appeal. <laughs> You know, to follow up a very commercial book with nudes was it was not what you'd expect. But um, the reason is uh, I, I consider every book that I do to be a lesson to my kids. And this lesson is about fearlessness. And it's about going after your dreams. And if you look at a dancer's life, you know, I mean, what they have to go through to achieve their dreams is pretty remarkable. I mean, thousands of hours of hard work and dedication. And when they are stripped of their clothing, we see that hard work and dedication etched into their bodies. And we can really see the effort they put in to achieve their dreams. So that's why they're nude. They're, they're in public because of the fearlessness. I mean, there, there is a willingness to go after your dreams without any common sense. Every parent will say, please don't do that. Be a stockbroker. And they all do it despite the fact that there's going to be no financial success. Their their careers are going to end young. They're most likely going to fail more than they're going to succeed. And yet they go after it. 
And that takes a sense of fearlessness that these photographs embody. What about the legality of photographing people in the nude in public spaces? Well, it's completely illegal. So I shot over 400 locations uh, all across Europe and North America, and there was never a moment in which we were doing something legal, so we had to do it quickly. And the way the process would work would be we would go to a location, I would just pick something, we'd walk around sometimes for a while. When we found something that I liked, and usually I was looking for more iconic or more risky environments, uh, then we would clothe come come up with the pose. And sometimes that took quite a while because, like I said, they're perfectionists. Once we'd come up with the pose, the next step would be to light it and shoot it. And that's when we had to be very quick because, of course, we didn't want to get caught. So we would run into the middle of the street or in front of Notre Dame and we would shoot it usually for 15 or 20 seconds, hope we didn't get caught, throw on a robe, review it, and then do it again. Did you have any uncomfortable encounters with authorities? <laughs> Well, they were never comfortable <laughs> when we had encounters with the authorities. And that was over 40 different instances that we had that. Uh, I usually got a pretty big dressing down, but we never got arrested. Does that surprise you that there were no arrests? It was surprising. It was. Towards the end of the process, I did talk to a lieutenant who I was photographing, and I told him about the project. And he basically said, look, most likely, unless you run into somebody who's looking for overtime, they're not going to want to take you downtown and do the paperwork. So uh, and interestingly, you know, some of the area, the, the regions or towns, cities that I, that I found the, the most challenges were the most liberal-seeming cities. For example, Paris. Paris was brutal. It was beautiful, and I loved it. But it was really tough. I mean, the police and the pe pedestrians, I mean, they were throwing beer bottles at us and screaming Throwing at us. beer bottles? Yeah, it was crazy. They Why really would they throw beer bottles at you? Because they were stand angry, the but since they were screaming at me in French, I didn't get the exact <laughs> specifics of why they were angry, other than they were very angry. I was going to ask you the question, how do passersby react when they see you photographing and someone in the nude that's everything under street. the sun. Yeah. There's one photograph in the book that is nine ballerinas uh, in the meatpacking district on a Saturday night. And they're all nude together. And it took us quite a long time to get that shot. And the next morning, before I had even processed the photos, that photo went viral, but I hadn't taken it. Somebody stood right next to me with their iPhone, took the shot I was taking, and then posted it, and it went viral. Uh, so a lot of people would do that they you know and that that was one of the risks that the dancers had not only was it the legality issue but there was the vulnerability of we would be in very public settings and people would walk by they'd see what we were doing they'd wait for us to do it again and then they had their video cameras and their iPhones ready so how long would you say the typical shoot took you it the shortest shot in there was 2 seconds cuz wow. a woman is balancing on a wine bottle balancing on a wine bottle on point uh, in Chicago on a wine bottle. Pretty impressive. And then the longest process was probably six or seven hours to create a single image. What would you say was the most interesting thing that happened to you during the shooting of this book? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, in terms of an overview, the most interesting thing that happened to me was uh, my <laughs> my lack of respect for men, right? I mean, to be honest, it's like uh, I, I I got to see the world a little bit through the eyes of a woman, and I didn't like what I saw. There 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 was a a lot of uh, nasty comments. I mean, at the least, catcalling and screaming and all of that. Uh, a lot of anger from people that would pass by, and then an incredible amount of support at the same time. So it's kind of brought out the best and the worst in everybody. Is there a risk when you're doing a book of nudes like this 
that it could be sexual, or do you make a conscious effort to make sure that it's not sexual in any way? I made a very big conscious effort. I mean, the first thing is is that the nudes, we should say, are very, very subtle. I mean, most everything is covered all the time uh, through the the way they would hold their body. Um, and it was, whereas with Dancers Among Us, I liked the sensuality and sexuality of, of using couples. With this, I stayed far away from that. So even, I got interested in group shots or you know there's everywhere from one to 26 people in a shot in this book but we always kept it very much they would interact but not in a sexual or sensual way your locations range from times square to the royal palace in amsterdam did you have a favorite place to shoot i just mentioned it and it's crazy but my favorite place was paris even though we were getting wine bottles thrown at us because I was with Alvin Ailey. So first of all, they're about the most beautiful people on earth. And to see these iconic locations throughout the world at night when everybody else is asleep and to be creating art around art was really special. And of course, Paris has no end of that. Some of these photographs are taken in the cold. I see snow and I see naked bodies. How did that go? That was hard. And the thing that restricts creativity more than anything is the cold, more so than the fear of getting caught. These dancers were willing to do it in the street 30, 40 times if we needed to until we got the shot. But if they were cold, they would shut down. And there's one shot where a woman is in the middle of a river, and the river is frozen over. And that was hard enough, but for her to get out there was a couple of minutes of walking in each direction. So once again, fearlessness and incredible mental toughness these dancers have to be able to push through that. Where was that photograph? That was in Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah. We should say that the back of the book, both of your books, Dancers After Dark and Dancers Among Us, you feature the behind the scenes. You tell us the stories. Yeah. Yeah. And the stories, since it's all collaborative and since it's all spontaneous, the stories are pretty fun because we never know what's going to happen. And it was just so thrilling. I have to say, shooting Dance After Dark was so much fun because every time I was shooting it, the person that was being photographed had never done anything like this before. And so you're you're experiencing the first for somebody and the thrill. I mean, the, the, the we have some a lot of behind-the-scenes videos in uh, danceafterdark.com, and you can just see the exuberance and the excitement. And then finally in Paris, one of the Ailey dancers said to me, are you going to be in this book? And so then... I did it along with five of them and we all got photographed together and then I all of a sudden lost my mind and started jumping up and down and screaming like a little kid because there's just there's something that's such a release about this process. So you're also in the buff. I'm in the book. book. Yeah, the last photo. Okay, there you go. There's Brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was I now I understood after 2 years of shooting it I I understood everyone's exhilaration. Did you find yourself getting bolder and bolder as the project went on though a little bit more, you know, with yes. the you know, brave and walking into these yes. situations. Well, what would happen is I started defining a good shot by whether or not I was terrified to take it. And so early on, we were in the shadows a lot. We were on side streets, corners that nobody could find us. And then I got hooked on the adrenaline once I shot in front of Lincoln Center with three dancers. Once we did that, then I really started to go for the iconic locations. I did that for a while. And then I started getting really interested in the groups because that's even harder. So every time we did a shot, I had to up the ante. So the final photo was 25 people in front of Washington Square Monument. I have to point out also that Dancers After Dark, this isn't your first book featuring people nude. You also featured women topless in a book called Uncovered, right? I did, and that was my first book. And that was about women's body image issues. And that was because I do and did a lot of um, headshots for models and actors. And these beautiful women would walk in and they would say, don't photograph my arms because they're too fat or this, that, and the other. And I started realizing that women's body image issues are not 
in any way related to how they actually look, it seems. So what I did was I took these women out in the streets of New York City and had them do everyday things. That's kind of my thing, everyday thing. Um, Topless, which is, by the way, completely legal to do. And then they would be interviewed by another woman about their body image issues. And it's, it's a very revealing book. It's, I think it's beautiful. They're, they're very vulnerable in the interviews. When you're shooting these images in public settings, how is it that you are able to include people in the background who seem to be just going about their business? Mm-hmm. They're not distracted by what's happening. It's because you ca- you know, they don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, you rehearse for a while and then you let the interest in your rehearsal die down and then you drop the clothing or drop the shirt or do the leap or whatever you're doing. And you're hoping to catch a moment where people are not expecting it. And then once a crowd gathers, everyone knows you're going to do it. You let that dissipate and then you do it again. Are you ever using Photoshop to create a different image or to make something look a little bit different? No, not at all. We use Photoshop only to color correct. Um, and, and that's important for me because I do think that there's so much photo manipulation now that people are kind of cynical about photography. You never know if it really happens. So that's why there's so many behind-the-scenes videos and why I do behind-the-scenes stories in the book just to say, these dancers are good enough. Uh, you do not need to enhance them. What kind of camera equipment are you using? I use Nikon. And I travel with two different Nikon bodies and six lenses. So it's, it's one case full of stuff. And then for the after dark, I needed a, a light. And that was called the Roto light. With any photographers that are listening out there, it's a great light. You can adjust the color temperature and the brightness. It's not a strobe. It's a fixed light. What advice would you impart on any aspiring photographer who would want to get into the business? Well, I'd say photograph what you know, what's close to you, and look for things that you haven't seen before. A lot of times, I think photographers try to emulate, copy what they've already seen rather than finding their own voice. I think that's important. The thing that's great about social media and the best example of this, of course, is humans in New York is you don't need to have anything more than a great idea to have a successful career because if it's if it resonates with people, people will share it and you'll before you know it, you're, you're going to have a, a book. You mentioned that you were initially inspired by your child playing. It seems like your family has provided you with a lot of inspiration. A lot of the stories, especially in Dancers Among Us, are about your family. They are. Yeah, in Dancers Among Us, every chapter begins with an essay, and most of the essays are about lessons I've learned from my children. I think you can learn a lot from kids, and um, they inspire me to create work that when I'm gone and they're looking back on it, they it, it talks about life as I hope they live it. And I consider myself so incredibly fortunate to do something that I love to do every day. And I just hope they find that. More than anything else, I I hope they have a career that excites them and inspires them every day. What are you working on now? Well, at the moment, we have a a follow-up book to Dancers Among Us that is going to be called Tiny Dancers Among Us. Tiny Dancers. Tiny Dancers Among Us, and it's kids. It's all... um, adolescents down to toddlers and it's about the magic of childhood and it's about seeing childhood through dance it's it's very similar to dances among us but using kids and the the funny thing was i was shooting that concurrently with dance after dark so i would go to a city and like at night i'm out till three or four in the morning photographing nudes in, in the middle of the public square and then at 9 a.m., these kids would be waiting for me in the lobby. I had to get my mind around how to communicate with them um but this is a lot of fun i mean i, I have to say Kids are so incredibly talented now. I mean, what they can do with their bodies is unbelievable. So I'm having a good time with that one. Jordan Matter, thank you so much for coming in. All right, this was fun. Thank you.
Photographer Jordan Matter is online at jordanmatter.com. That's Matter, M-A-T-T-E-R. Now let's head to the phone to talk with someone who knows all about Dancers After Dark from her experiences on the other side of Jordan's camera lens. Professional dancer Demita Hopkins-Green appears in the book. Demita, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. How long have you been dancing, Demita? Um, I started dancing when I was quite young. My uncle owns a small studio in Orange, Virginia called the Orange School of Performing Arts. So I started dancing there when I was four years old and uh, stayed there until I graduated high school. What was that like for you growing up in that dancing world? It was absolutely incredible. I um, made some of my closest lifelong friends uh, during that time period. Um, I just met a lot of incredible families, and I was introduced to a lot of different cultures through the studio, and um, I was always interacting with different people. Uh, We'd go to competitions. I went to ballet summer camps, you know, so I was constantly meeting people and interacting, um, and it was just a really positive environment to be in. So where have you been dancing specifically throughout your career? I have spent most of my time at Alvin Ailey. I went through their school, the BFA program. That was four years. My senior year, uh, I got into Ailey 2, which is their junior program. I was with that company for two years. And then after my second year in that company, I made it into their first company, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. I was with them for six years and just left them in May. How rigorous and how structured is the life of a dancer? Uh, It is pretty rigorous. You know, um, if you're in intensive training, which most of us are, or putting ourselves through some type of training, um, I was working with Ailey, and during a rehearsal period, we are in the studio Monday through Friday, from 10.30 to 7, with an hour lunch break in between there. When you're on the road, you're performing, you can get to a new city the night before. You'll go into the theater the next day around uh, mid-afternoon, maybe 2 to 4 o'clock if you're lucky. You'll do rehearsals, you'll do spacings, you'll take class, you'll get ready for the show, and then you have a, have a performance at 8 o'clock at night. Um, and so you're 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 spending most of your day consumed in your art and your body is a large part of that. You know, you're as a dancer, your, your body is your tool. It's your instrument. Um, and so it's, it's all consuming, I would say. So let's talk about your role in the book dancers after dark. How did you get involved with this project? Uh, well, everyone knows Jordan Matter in the dance community, you know. Um, he's a well-known person or photographer, and uh, I have some friends who had worked with him previously. Uh, and he told us that he would be in Paris while the company was there. So he met some of us during the day to take shots with clothes on. And then he invited some of us to come out that night to do Dances After Dark if we'd like to. I originally went out with him during the day, but I was still up in the air about the dances after dark thing. I thought it was a beautiful idea, but I wasn't sure if it was for me. 
uh, that night when he met up with the other dancers, I somehow ended up meeting them in the lobby and going out with them. He was like, you can be the director. You know, you can tell them if they need to point their foot. You can hold the light. You know, you don't have to do anything. Long story short, as the night goes on, um, I see all of these beautiful dancers, and I'm inspired to get out there and do it. And Jordan um, pushes me to do a picture. Not pushes me, but encourages me. You know, I have this shot. I think you'd be great for it if you want to do it. Um, And so I did my first photo for Dancers After Dark in Paris with another member of Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Michael Jackson Jr. Um, And we, it was a very simple pose in a fountain uh, at night. How quick was the uh, shot, couple, though? Because I know you were in this fountain and you're without any clothes on. Yes. <laughs> well, when you first get there, you you have clothes on. So we climbed, we figured out our pose, first of all, on the ground. And then we were like, okay, uh, let's figure it out. We went up and climbed up there and uh, did lighting with clothes on. I had a sarong tied around me and he had shorts on and then when they said that they were ready, that the lights were ready, he knew where he wanted to stand and the angle and everything. Um, we stripped down, threw our clothes away, and then they took the shot. <laughs> uh, it happened pretty quickly. Within a couple of minutes, you're only naked for a couple of minutes at a time, um, but it, it can feel like forever. Did you have an audience besides the camera people? Yeah, there were a few people in the square, but um, no one made a scene or anything. It was, I mean, people were just interested. (laughs) So did you do more than one shoot for this book? I did. (laughs) After being so skeptical, skeptical of doing it, I ended up doing another one in January with him. Um, and we did two different shots for that one, one that is in the book and um, another one with another female, um, which I don't think is in the book. Yeah. What other locations were you in? All Paris? Uh, it was, yeah, it was just two shots in Paris. Uh, another one is the one with Jordan actually in it. He's got his camera out there, and we're all in the streets of Paris with him. Um, so those two in Paris. A solo one here in New York on Fifth Avenue, and then uh, another one uh, in front of Columbus Circle, in front of the Mandarin Oriental. That was <laughs> right before Blizzard. So the shot that my solo shot in the book was right before the snow started to come. And then after that, the snow started coming down as we were uh, taking the Columbus Circle shot. So it was freezing. (laughs) There weren't many people on the streets, but um, we were in winter, down winter coats. You know, Jordan's hair was covered in snow by the end of it. But uh, it was electric, you know, it was exciting. How different was it for you to take shots like this in a town you call home compared to Paris? Um, I don't think it made any difference whatsoever. I think they're both really gorgeous cities, and I think um, it was just the opportunity of a lifetime. I don't know if it would have mattered where I was. Any hesitation at all about being photographed without your clothes on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I actually 
really didn't tell my family, my mother, my uncle, um, most of my family members until the day before a promotional video came out um, so that, you know, I would give them a heads up like, oh, I'm about to be naked on Facebook. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) And again, you come from a quiet, close-knit community in Virginia. Yes, exactly. And so even hearing once it went on Facebook and hearing from some of the parents of my students and people who have known me since um, I was small, you know, they watched me grow up. It was so encouraging that they were all like, you know, that was really incredible. It, uh, you were so brave. You know, it's not something we know it's not something that you would usually do, but um, we're proud of you. You know, it was it was really fulfilling. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think the takeaway is for someone who is looking at a book like this? What do you want them to see when they see Dancers After Dark? Uh, I think that you can get so much from it. It's all it's it's just beautiful art. There's um, beautiful words and quotes in there. If that's something that you're into, there is the movement of the dancers, even though they're still on the page, you can see it. You can see their passion and their commitment. And it's all just so skillfully put together. Um, I don't understand how someone wouldn't love it. You know, if you're a lover of people and beautiful things and, um, I just think it was a gorgeous thing to showcase for dancers and for Jordan and for all of the cities and places that he took those shots. Demita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, George. It was a pleasure. Demita Hopkins-Green is a professional dancer living here in New York City. She's featured in photographer Jordan Matter's book, Dancers After Dark. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Zach Zalas. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.